Hello and welcome back to Manchester's, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. Yeah, series three. How are you feeling about it, Joe? I'm very excited. I think we've got a great series coming up. Yeah, so do I. And because uh, obviously it's been a while since series two, what have you been up to? I have been, uh, just to uh, uh, let everyone know, that my <laughs> fans know, uh, I've been working a lot at the Octagon, the Royal Exchange, making work with young people there. Me and Sophie also worked together on a performance. Yeah, um, we did. And we won, oh, I won an award for <laughs> Best Director. Best Director, yeah. Uh, at the Offcuts Festival. Yeah, it's very good. And I've just finished in the all-female Hamlet that was on at Hope Mill Theatre, which was great, great, great. If you're just uh, tuning in for the first time, you can find all of our previous episodes from Series 1 and Series 2 on our website, which is, Sophie? www.mbtpodcast.co.uk Or you can just search for us in your podcast app, uh, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast, and you can find all of our previous episodes. Previous guests include Sarah Franken, Artistic Director of the Royal Exchange, uh, Simon Naylor, co-founder of 53.2, and... Chris Lawson, as well, the Acting Artistic Director at Oldham Coliseum, to name a few. Yes, some of the highlights, and there's loads more... uh, out there. So today's in today's episode I went and interviewed Maureen Beattie back in October November time during their run of Death of a Salesman at Royal Exchange. Um, Maureen is the second ever female president of Equity and she's been doing lots and lots of work recently particularly in regard to the Me Too campaign. Uh, and she played Linda Lohman in Death of a Salesman at the Royal Exchange. Um, Thanks so much to Paula, uh, who is at the Royal Exchange, who helped set up this uh, interview, which uh, was her suggestion, so thank you very much. Um, if you enjoy it, uh, please do share on uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, just let us know um, what you think of it. Yeah, thank you very much. Enjoy. My name is Maureen Beatty. I'm an actress and sometime director. Uh, I'm currently president of Equity, the second woman ever to be so. Also, as you can hear from my voice, the second Scot. Well, you can't tell I'm the second Scot, but you can certainly tell I'm a Scot. So that's got a nice double. Um, I graduated from the, what was then the College of Drama in Glasgow um, in 1974, and it's now the, the Royal Conservatoire of Scotland. So posh. Uh, but yeah, and I've been working as an actress and director uh, ever since and that's sort of w- and, and of course I'm currently playing Linda Lohman in the magnificent uh, play uh, Death of a Salesman by um, Arthur Miller which is on at the uh, Royal Exchange Theatre. Lovely and can you just give a brief outline of Equity who they are what they do for anyone who isn't sort of aware and who it's for? Yes, of course, Equity. So, Equity is the Entertainment Workers' Union, one of them. Of course, there are also other unions like BEC2, but they tend to be more to do with the technical people. So, Equity, we cover performers of all kinds. Uh, we have stage managers. We uh, we um, we support models. We have uh, directors, choreographers, uh, puppeteers, 
clowns, circus people, variety performers, uh, people who work in burlesque, uh, people who do street theatre, people who do role play. We, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting very husky. Um, and uh, so we've, I've got the company called at the moment. Um, so uh, we, we we cover all those different things, and we are, as I say, a union. We have a membership of just short of forty five thousand, which is more than it's ever been in in the whole history of equity, which is. Quite kind of remarkable because whether you won't know this, you're too young. But um, when I first uh, graduated in 1974, it was that odd um, catch-22 situation, which is if you didn't, it's famous now, of course, if you didn't have an equity card, you couldn't get a job. If you couldn't get didn't have a job, you couldn't get an equity card. So equity cards were like Willy Wonka's golden ticket. I was very lucky to get one before I went to the College of Drama, which was kind of staggering. Um, but uh, And even then, when it was a closed shop, we had fewer people um, in, in our union. So, you know, it's all about collective activism. It's about the membership paying their dues each year, which employs the staff and means the staff can go out there and collectively bargain for us <clears throat> of course uh, since margaret thatcher dear dear margaret thatcher um one of the wonderful things that she did to the working classes of course was to take away many of the rights of the unions because she really hated the unions and um so we find ourselves in a position where you know we 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 are not just representing people in our union, we are representing other people who do those jobs that I mentioned earlier, but who are not necessarily union members. And that's a good thing, because, you know, the, the, the agreements that our staff get on the terms and conditions in the, all the various different places that people work in our business um, are the only hope we've got. Because I can tell you now, if we didn't have the unions and we didn't have people being members of equity and we didn't have collective bargaining, these people would be paying us threepence a week. Because some of them are good guys some and gals. Some of them are. They really do care and they, they understand the importance of the arts and the creative industries. But many of them uh, don't. And now... Um, you know, the multinational conglomerates have discovered that there's this, this thing called theatre, um, the work, you know, the, the, the performing arts, and they have realised that you can make a lot of money out of us and that we are a beleaguered and stressed workforce who doesn't know, whether, most of whom, the vast majority of whom, well, number one, don't work at all, and number two, if you're lucky enough to work, then you never know where your next job's coming from, and which is one of the reasons why we love it, of course, but it's also very stressful. And, of course, they realise, so if it wasn't for organisations like Equity, um, you know, we would all be out with our begging bowls. I mean, I actually believe that. So, yeah, Equity in a nutshell. <laughs> and do you think across, like, all industries, do you think unions are on the rise or struggling? Do you sort of get an impression of how they're doing? I think uh, unions are struggling. Um, in fact, we are adding members um, weekly, and that is very, very unusual in the union movement. Very unusual. I mean, the other thing to be said, of course, is that, and I, I was, um, the, the TUC, the annual TUC conference, uh, was in Manchester, um, this year. Uh, uh, very exciting. It's the first time I was available to come, go along, and I made my maiden speech. It was very thrilling to be part of a vast community. I mean, millions of people, of course who are part of the TUC family. And I know that word's bandied about, isn't it? Oh, you're part of the family now. Um, but really, the feeling that all those people are behind you and that are all, are all democratically deciding what's a good thing or a, a bad thing to do and, and, and supporting one another is absolutely thrilling. Yeah, but, but unionisation is 
it's very tricky at the moment with the situation in the world being what it is, you know. And you talk a lot about how you want to create a world in our industry in which anyone can apply for any role, things with the 50-50 and things. Can you just talk a little about that? Yes, absolutely. Well, of course, uh, total inclusivity is what we're after. Um, And uh, we're getting there. I absolutely genuinely believe that. We are, of course, famously an industry where you go, well, if you're not harming anybody, I don't care if you are madly in love with a budgie. Uh, you know, as long as you're not coming to any harm and the budgie's not coming to any harm, that's absolutely fine. Come along in. Uh, you know, th- that's really the only criteria. Of course, there are some people who are not like that, but I mean, gosh, you meet them so seldom. It's a complete shock when you do, you know. Um, so this is what we want. And actually, it's interesting speaking about this particular subject while we're sitting here in the Royal Exchange Theatre because under the... Um, I don't think it's any... Um, surprise that this amazing building with such an incredibly inclusive um, feel to it, um, my particular company I'm involved in, I'm in Death of a Salesman, as I said, um, I play Linda Lohman. My husband is black, my two boys, my two sons are black, and my brother-in-law is black. I am the token white. It's absolutely marvellous. We have someone who is Portuguese in our company. We have two people who um, identify as disabled. This is just in the one company within this building. We have um, a mixed race uh, actor in, in, in the thing. It's absolutely incredible. There are people whizzing around all over the building who are wheelchair users. Uh, it's it's completely thrilling all Also, one of the things we're very concerned about now is, um, you know, class, the working class. I mean, you know, how does somebody who comes from a a low income or should we just say poor or even say poverty stricken, you know, people who can't feed their children and who have to go to food banks. This is, you know, 2018. And then this world is so dreadful and our government cares not a be very careful, Maureen, don't swear. <laughs> Not a tuppenny toss, frankly. And there are people like that, you know, how do you then, if your aspiration is to do, obviously my particular, well, to do anything, to climb the ladder, to become, the, you know, the foremost in your field, whatever that field might be, but my, my field, obviously, that I'm concerned about is people in, 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 in the performing arts and, um, well, in, in, the, in the performance industry, um, how can you, how do you get there? How do you start when you're struggling to put food in your mouth? It's an absolute disgrace. We've got to do something about it. So that's the other thing that's very important. And, and so this building is a fantastic example of a microcosm of it all working. I don't think it's a surprise that Sarah Frankham is a woman. There are some fantastic guys out there, please don't get me wrong, who are running amazing buildings. But I do think that women, we need more women in places of power in all industries, all over the world, and in politics and all that, but we, we certainly need them in our, in, in our industry because they make change happen, which is about inclusivity and about support um, and about um, allowing everyone, no matter where they come from, uh, to fulfil the dreams that they have. That moves me quite nicely on to, obviously, this past few years, actually, has now been, hasn't it, with the Me Too campaign, And I myself have been quite aware of what's going on with equity, but is there anything you'd like to say about that and how equity has responded? Yes, absolutely. Um, The... um well, any of you out there who are equity members who are listening to this will have possibly read, or if you haven't, and are one of these people who get your equity magazine <laughs> and look at it and think, oh, I'll maybe read that at some point, and then eventually take the plastic wrapper off and recycle it and put the plastic <laughs> wrapper in the bin 
But don't do that. You know, our, we, it's an award-winning magazine. We have won so many awards, I can't tell you, for Best Union Magazine, Best Content, Best whatever, blah, blah, blah. It's very good. That's got nothing to do with me, of course. Um, but um, I write a column every... Uh, it's, a, it's a quarterly magazine. I write a column. And if you care to look at my quarterly column, you will see that it is. it leads with, um, you know... Uh, the patriarchy and the poisonous nature of the patriarchy and how we have absolutely got to get rid of it. We really have. And what happened was that um, we, obviously, in equity, were very, very aware of all those horrific allegations that were coming out towards the end of last year with the Harvey Weinsteins of this world and then Kevin Spacey. Um, And we knew that we had to do something, and we had to do something fast. So we... uh, put together the um, sexual harassment working group, not party, because, of course, if you know anything about working parties, you know that they usually take about three and a half decades to do anything. So we thought if we called ourselves a group, we would be like a skiff rather than like the QE2 or a large tanker that takes three days to make a U-turn. So we did that. We met. We met. Um, I won't go on into all the details just now, but I we met. I felt at the end of the day that I had met every single person who had ever worked in the entertainment industry. It was incredible. And we also to do with audiovisual. Um, we spoke to filmmakers. We spoke to television makers. We spoke to radio. We spoke to audio artists. We spoke to all the different areas that our members that I spoke about earlier at work. And we then came up with um, a three-pronged attack. The Agenda for Change, which is um, a published leaflet that you can uh, get from Equity, um, which um, outlines all the things that we, you know, kind of bullet points of what we want all the different people in the industry to do to remove this toxic behaviour from our industry. Um, and that includes equity itself. We've got to look to our own our own selves. It's also we also have the Creating Safe Spaces campaign, which is um which is posters, which has got have on them the um the, the, the harassment helpline, the new harassment helpline and the new harassment um email address. Uh, and one of the things we did was we employed a new member of staff He's absolutely fantastic. He comes from a background uh, from um, Samaritans and uh, and that kind of very, you know, very, very good at pastoral care. He's absolutely terrific, Adam. And uh, he's at the other end of the phone and uh, at the other end of the email. And that's a completely confidential service, you know, so you can phone up there like you can the Samaritans and no one will, you know, that that's as far as it goes. Um uh, and we um, came up with this um, affirmation, which uh, we are encouraging. And I'm thrilled to find that more and more and more organisations and, and, and groups are using it. And it's basically, uh, so we've got the visual, the posters on the wall saying, this is a safe space, you know, be careful. You know, we're all watching out for each other. We've got the, you know, the, the, the more detailed guide. And then we've got the affirmation, which is a, um, a statement which is read out by a person at the beginning of each new project, um, rehearsal, read through, poetry reading, movement class, whatever it might be. Um, I can read it to you if you want me to. Um, yeah, you want me if you've got it. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You can, you could always uh, edit it if you want. I know it by heart. Somewhere. Um, Every single one of us working on this project is entitled to work in a safe space, a space free of fear, a space free of bullying and harassment of any kind. We will work together, honouring our differences and celebrating the gifts we each bring to the table. We will treat one another with politeness and respect at all times. And if we are subjected to or 
witness bullying or harassment, we will speak out, knowing that our voices will be heard and that we will be taken seriously. Together, we can create a safe space. So that's it. And that's a very powerful statement and affirmation at the beginning of it. And I was thrilled. I, I, I emailed Sarah uh, Frankham here on about the first day of our rehearsals and said, would it be possible to read this out? And she said, oh, yeah, we do that anyway. <laughs> so that was really wonderful to hear that. And um, in Scotland, as I say, which is my home, uh, my my uh, my country, uh, you know, I um, have worked in uh, several different uh, institutes institutions as it were that institutions don't like that word theatres and places of, of work there um where people are, are using it and you know um it's just terrific it's so good to see isn't it that just in actually a really relatively short time so much has been put into place because it's so easy just to think of equity as this sort of umbrella that people will go can often go through their careers without coming into contact with equity at all but then you hear stuff like this it's yeah. just brilliant it's absolutely brilliant so you're obviously second female president, which yeah. is mad that it's only just happened. But um, can you talk a bit about, as both an actor and equity, what it's been like being a woman in your industry? And you've obviously worked in so many different areas. How's it been? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I um, interestingly enough, you saying that thing about you know second ever woman. Um, the, the only other woman was um, just after the war when there were no men available. And then as soon as the guys came back, oh, thank goodness we can get men again because they're so much better at it. <laughs> anyway, um, yes, being uh, a woman in our business, well, you know, it was very interesting because, of course, when the whole sexual harassment thing started, um, I mean, my my um, my involvement with equity has been very fast tracked. I've I was on, I joined four years ago. I became a councillor, and then I was persuaded to um, stand for vice president. So I was pre vice president the next four years, two years, and then and now I find myself president. So I'm, I'm still sort of spinning. I think it's what's known as a, a learning spiral, never mind a learning curve. But anyway, um, so uh, yeah, so it made me look, of course, at um, you know, as as women, as females, we are very aware of. Um, as you get older, particularly, you look back and you become more and more aware of just how skewed the balance of power in our industry has been everywhere in the world. But we're talking about our industry um, has been. And it made me look back at my, my life um, at, uh, at college and pre-college uh, because my family's quite showbiz. My father is retired now, but he was a comedian and actor. My mother was a model, so it was very kind of showbizy. So all that sort of thing. And then, um, and then coming into the business and, you know, working in all the different media. And I... It's it's absolutely shocking what we all put up with. You know, you hear constantly, don't you, um, uh, uh, women of my age, I'm 65, you know, women of my age, and maybe a bit younger, but, but saying, well, you know, that was just the way people behaved, and you just accepted it, and you just kind of, you didn't like it, but you never spoke up, because it didn't seem that, you know, you, you just kind of put it inside yourself and put it in a lead-lined box and closed it, threw away the key. And actually, it was doing harm to us all. And we've all got we've all got stories of of of, of harassment. Some of them worse than others, of course. Um, and also, I became very aware of the fact that you know, again, to do with that powerlessness. You know, I, I, if any of you are, have, did read um, any of the articles that I that were in the press about me when I was, you know, becoming president, I 
I spoke about my deep shame, which is with me to this day. When a young stage manager um, came to me for help, uh, this chap, this foul man in 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 the company, had handed her a really foul note. I mean, a really disgusting um, image on this note, and um, asked me to help her. And and I, I was playing opposite him, and I didn't know what to do. And I really failed her. It was really terrible. Um, and I, um, I mean, I said, look, I know about this now, and I got the note from her, and I said, I'm going to keep this as as evidence. And I, I think it helped a bit, but it really wasn't enough. It just wasn't enough. And nowadays, I absolutely believe I wouldn't hesitate. I just wouldn't hesitate. I'd go, sorry, you can't. But it was kind of really hard to slough off that kind of um, that kind of behaviour pattern, you know. Um, and it is absolutely true, too, that as in so many industries, you know, women, well, get paid less. I mean, the scandal that wasn't all that long ago about, you know, one of the most brilliant actresses currently working, um, the wonderful Claire Foy. My goodness, that girl's what a genius. I mean, oh... Fantastic. Um, you know, playing, oh, the Queen in, oh, the Queen. Yes, I'll repeat that. She was playing the Queen in The Queen. And the guy, very fine actor, Max Smith, who was playing, you know, Prince Philip, was getting paid more money than her. Hello? Excuse me. So, yeah, um, so all these things are very good that they get, they get spoken about and they get, um, they get put out there and it's all grist to our mill to try and change things. But we're, you know, the, um, uh, the, I, I hate some, you know, God, here we go. It, it, it's almost impossible to have a conversation of any meaning these days without mentioning the name of Donald Trump. And, you know, there he is in America the absolute epitome of all that is wrong with poisoned patriarchy. The man is is absolutely appalling. He's an appalling human being and is anti-everything that I certainly stand for. And certainly a misogynist, I suspect, fearful of us. Well, he is fearful of us because that's why they hate us, of course. Um, and, you know, if he gets his way... And it's already going to happen. He's got that man in the, you know, um, sorry, this is wending off the way of a theatre podcast, but, you know, it, it affects us all. It affects us all that we we are going off, uh, you know, to a world where we've got Supreme Court judges who are anti-abortion, who are anti a woman's right to make a decision about when she has a child. And if we go on like that, then that's that, that trickles down and trickles through and, and, and will affect us as well. Because, you know, I remember back in um, my, the early days of my career, there was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful actress who was torn, was terribly torn, and who was spent her whole life completely stressed because she was Roman Catholic and she believed that she should not have contraception and that she should have babies for Jesus, you know, and that was her belief. And she was also a genius actress and she had huge ambitions, why should she not, like anybody, to make a great... And it tore her apart. How do you how do you deal with that? So that's you know if we're not very careful, you know we can't sit back. None of us can sit back. We've got, we've got to be ever vigilant, keep our eye on them, and um, stop them everywhere we can. Absolutely. Um, and as in your long spanning career, how have you seen the industry change? And do you think that this is a time? I mean, for me, it certainly feels like it's a real shake up time. But obviously, like I'm very new in the industry, um, and even things like the, the all the salaries of everyone who's working the BBC, like all that sort of stuff, being revealed, and it feels like it's such a shake-up time. Do you agree? Um, yes, I mean, I think there's, I think there's good and bad in it. I'm not entirely convinced that it's, it was 
necessary for the... This is just my personal opinion. I don't know if it's necessary. I, didn't, I wasn't remotely interested in what people from the BBC were being paid. Yeah. If they were doing the job and they were doing it well and um, and people were turning on to see them and it made people want to watch the BBC, which is our public service broadcaster, and we have got to keep it. We have got to defend it to our very fingernails, uh, um, the skin of our teeth, because... You know, the sharks are circling and they want rid of it. The Rupert Murdoch's of this world hate the BBC. Of course they do, because it's incredible competition for them. The most watched channel on British television is BBC One. You know, Nelson Mandela said when he was released from Robben Island, if it was not for BBC World Service, I would be dead now. You know, it kept him alive. That kind of ability to tell the truth. To You know, the BBC... Sorry, I'm off on the BBC now, but hey, you know, huh. Um, uh, the BBC's motto is, nation shall speak peace unto nation. I mean, how can you possibly argue with that? Absolutely fantastic. I remember doing a radio down in London and I walked into Bush House, which has, had to, has been sold and it's now a hotel, I think, in flats, luxury flats. But um, it was one of the main... I think it might, was it the first BBC building in London. Anyway, whatever. And um, and I went in there and I looked up and there it was, the BBC crest and that thing. And I just burst into tears. <laughs> and this security guy, he was so lovely. He went, "You all right, dear?" I said, "Yes, I'm fine." He said, "Gets a lot of people like that," <laughs> which was wonderful. But anyway, so yeah, so um, you know, I, an awful lot of the changes are good changes. Transparency is good. The fact that people are able to, we've got, you know, gay characters on soaps, we've got trans characters, not enough of any of these things, not enough of any of these things. More and more black and ethnic minority people are being seen. We're really struggling to get people from the black and ethnic minorities working behind the camera, working in the admin in our industry and all that sort of thing. You know, that's that's something we've got to... There's, you know, a big. We've got to re, We're working. We've got to work really hard, and are working really hard for, um, you know, the um, Chinese, Japanese, Korean, uh, you know, members in our in our industry. Um, you know, they. That's just uh, you're really trying to get people, um, in front of the camera. Um, yeah, we've got um women. Uh, pregnancy is no longer the um. You, I mean, I remember when my mother, as I said, was a model. When she was modelling, she had to stop modelling by about six months pregnant because by then, then it became obvious she'd had sex with somebody and you couldn't have somebody walking up and down a platform that looked like they might have had sex at some point. And, and definitely not as if they'd enjoyed it. So, um, But now that's no problem at all. I mean, people are... I mean, I God, I remember the first time in... in um, and this is not necessarily... Um, it, to do with my my profession, but we do cover presenters as well. And um, uh, I remember the, the first time on Blue Peter, one of the female presenters was pregnant, and she was very very largely pregnant. And then she went off to have a baby. And then she came on and looked, and we went, "Oh, look, there's a baby!" And it was like, "Oh, the real world has come in," you know, along with the sticky back plastic. And here's one I made earlier. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I I think it's a mixed bag, and I think we have to be careful and watch where. The changes that are happening are, ha are at the bequest and request of the sharks. And obviously we are a podcast about Manchester. So yes. <laughs> obviously I'm going to ask about that. Um, there's always big talk in Manchester, obviously, about regional theatre and sort of fighting against the London-centric feeling that can often happen. Um, what do you see personally, any changes over the past few years with that and how is equity working towards helping things like that? 
Well, I mean, I do see changes that they're not, in, it's the old, you know, how many times do you have to say it? But I mean, it's not enough, but it is. And Manchester, and I'm not just saying this because of Manchester um, podcast, I, I, um, I love Manchester. I'm a Glaswegian as a, and, you know, they're very similar cities. They're big, industrial, Victorian cities um, built on people, the soil of people's brow, really. You know, and, and that's not romantic. That's true. <laughs> um, and the dirt under your fingernails. And um, the, you know, the architecture is just fantastic. The red sandstone makes me feel at home. The people are very, very similar, very open, very welcoming. The number of times I've asked somebody, excuse me, could you tell me where the dog is? Oh, yes, no problem. Just come with me and I'll, I'm going that way and you know 10 minutes later they've taken me completely out of their way to show any fantastic um but the, the point is that um oh my goodness the theater um vibe here is fantastic it's absolutely wonderful you know you've got the royal exchange which is one of the great iconic theaters of britain um you know i'll never forget the first time i walked into this building which was over 30 35 years ago something like that I came into this building to audition for the great, sadly lamented Michael Elliott, who ran the building then as artistic director. And I remember walking into that huge hall and going, oh, and just seeing that module, which was like something that just, you know, landed from outer space. Fabulous. But I know that home, I've been in home recently, um, just fabulous stuff going on there. You've got uh, wonderful shows coming in, the big commercial tours. You know, Manchester's one of the great places to come. You've got, you've got Matilda, that fabulous show at the moment. Play, you know, all these things, great Christmas shows, legendary Christmas shows, which of course is a lot of people's first time they go to the theatre, go to see a panto. Um, and I know also there's some very, very vibrant small scale theatre companies doing things, which I'm hoping very much that some members of the Manchester um, branch, equity branch, um, who are like me and um, volunteers, you know, are going to uh, take me to meet and, and see and have a chat about, you know, what we can do to to uh, support them and help them. And, and funnily enough, tomorrow night in... in um, the Royal Exchange, uh, we've uh, the Royal Exchange, fantastic. The producer of our show and the wonderful box office, um, they've got together and with uh, given uh, the forty six. We've got forty six students coming in from the Manchester School of Theatre um, tomorrow night to see the show and meet the cast afterwards. Hopefully, maybe meet Sarah. I'm not sure about that at the moment. To just go, you know, this is a community that you are part of. That you know, you're not, you're not. Oh, you're just daft students. Pat them on the head, and you know. But you, as soon as you start, treat you are part of the community, and 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 we must all look after each other. So, um, yeah, it's. I think you you've got a most fantastic, fantastic um, performing arts uh, situation going on here in Manchester. I love it. <laughs> so, for anyone who's listening, who is feeling really impassioned by what you've been talking about, how can they get involved in equity? Oh my goodness me. Well, uh, uh, first of all, and this sounds really silly, but you know, read the magazine. <laughs> Seriously, people, people do. I mean, I listen, I, hands up. I, before I became active in equity, I was always banging on about it. My father, who, as I said earlier, was a, um, uh, started in the business as an actor, but then became a comedian and was a variety artist for the large amount of his life. And when I was born back in 1953, and my mother was the breadwinner, um, and she was a model, and she was unable to work for a wee while. So my father was really desperate to get work, and he was sent um, to Edinburgh, down to Leith, to, I can't remember the name of the, the theatre now, it was something like the, the, the Palace Theatre, Leith, you know, one of those kind of standard names. 
and it was winter time and he went there it was much much more difficult to get to Edinburgh steam trains and all that sort of thing he went through to Edinburgh paid his way of course went all the way down to Leith and he got to the stage door and on the stage door was tacked a note which said go home insufficient bookings and there was a clause in the contracts in those days which was no play no pay and that was it. So my father had to went his way home through the slush and the ice and the snow and blah, 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 and say to my mother, I'm sorry, I've, that's it. We've spent all that money and there's no, no, there's no remuneration for it. So my father got very involved with the Variety Artists Fed, Federation, which was separate from equity then. And then they, the two of them merged, I think, was it 50 years ago, uh, to, to be the, the one organisation, because a federation's not quite the same as a union. A union's much more powerful. You can do, you can negotiate as a union um, much more powerfully. So... That, so then, so as I say, that, that's the thing that fired me up to get involved. And I was always banging on about equity and saying like that. And I never used to read the magazine. And I never used to read the emails. And I never used to bother my shirt. And I paid my dues. I never, ever voted in the elections. Why would I want to do that? And in fact, I was, I was um, voted in as president unelect, un, unopposed, which is an interesting thing. It was very nice not to have to go around and do, um, you know, please will you vote for me, canvassing and all that. But it doesn't give me much of a, um, what's the word I'm looking for when you get, um, it's not a franchise. Um, it, you know, it means that the members have not had a chance to say, I, we don't want her, actually. We wanted somebody else um, because there was nobody else standing. Um, uh, so... Um, but normally, you know, it's incredibly important who's leading this union. And um, it's also incredibly important that the right people are on council. And wherever you sit in our industry, you will have a councillor who is either a general councillor like me, that, that covers me. But, you know, there is a variety councillor. There is a deaf and disabled councillor, a councillor for deaf and, and disability. There's a councillor for um, audio. You know, there is a black and ethnic minority councillor. All that. It, it, we, we are really trying to cover everything and so you know we we are your voice in the union and if you want us if you see something wrong and you want to get something done then contact us and tell us we don't know unless you tell us I mean it's very good that I am a working actor because it means I'm out there I'm in the rep system for instance at the moment recently I was working in the commercial sector I do radio I do you know I, I so I'm involved and I know what the I know what goes on in these places and I can understand completely empathize with what people are going through you know but there's an example I'd like to give you which is um um on Twitter um there was a conversation went on and one of our uh, activists a fantastic um, actress was going into uh, coming into London on the train to a uh, commercial casting and one of the questions that was asked uh, she was emailed this form to fill in and one of the questions that was asked was whether she was pregnant or thinking of becoming pregnant uh, and that is illegal it's just illegal now it's one of the one of the one of the many protected characteristics and she phoned um Tim Gale at Equity who's in charge of commercials told him about it he got onto the commercial casting, and by the time she got to the commercial casting, that had been removed, along with all the other things that were unacceptable and unlawful, and it had been removed for everybody, not just for her. Mm. So it's not to do with people, the casting agents being nasty people who don't care and are, ha, 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 I want to find that out. It's actually that the old system is still in place, and, they, and these people apparently went, oh, I'm gosh, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, absolutely, we must change that. And it was deleted. So that's another company that will never do that again. And that, that, but that was because of a member of equity calling equity. So, 
you know, the numbers are there. You Listen, you get that diary, which people laugh at, but it's got all the information you want. It's got all the people that you might want to get in touch with. It's got all the email addresses. It's got the main switchboard number. Give the switchboard a call. Pana and Kyle, who are on the switchboard, are fantastic people. They will put you through to the person you need to talk to, all that. You know, equity is for you. Do not be frightened of it. You know, in Manchester, well, Manchester, you've got an office. You've actually got one of our regional offices is in Manchester, um, which is, you know, a great advantage. Pop in and see them. Give them a call. Pop in and say hi. Um, you know, they're there to help. And if they, I, I have never known equity staff, if you give them a call, not do their very, very best. Um, and if they can't help, then they go about changing things so that the next time there's a call, the, the whole fabric has been changed so that help can be given. So, yeah, so read the magazine. You'll start to find out how we work. You'll start to find out how my mind works as your president. You'll start to read Christine Payne's, um, uh, who is your uh, general secretary. She leads the staff of the union. She's an amazing woman, absolutely passionate about it. She gets steam coming out of her ears sometimes she gets so angry with the way people she's an amazing amazing woman and um the, the rest of the staff and you'll get to know the charities also it's important maybe you've got something you want to do um maybe you've got a little bit of difficulty with something you've got a little bit of a you've had a, an accident and you can't work whatever um you know if you're an equity member you have insurance you've got 10 million quids worth of public liability insurance Hello, um, you know, you couldn't buy it for the money you pay on, uh, you know, in your dues. Um, you know, we have to roll it out towards everybody, but you know, there's the pension scheme, which is better than any, now that the government is saying everyone must have a workplace pension. Any workplace you are in, you will, the equity pension will always be better. So sign up for it, even if you don't need it right now. It doesn't matter when you do finally come to need it. You just tick the box, put in your number and you know, you, the first time I ever did it, I was working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. This was about you know, 12 years ago, something like that. I put in £12 a week. They were putting in £24 a week. The I, money I would never have seen. Equity are collecting monies on your behalf that you would never have seen because of contracts. BEX, which was the British Equity Collection Society, which in that case doesn't mean equity or union, it means equitable collection society, put together by equity, formed by equity, um, using equity members' money is also there collecting monies from the other collecting agencies in Europe and America, money you would never see if it wasn't for that. All these things are available, wonderful charities that you can call upon and say, look, you are, if you're a member of equity, you are insured from the moment you leave your home to your place of work, while you're at work, and when you come out of your place of work, to your back to your home or your digs depend well in my case it would be digs because I live in London um and for something ridiculous like five pounds seventy three extra you are covered for the whole year no matter where you are even if you're in your bed in I don't know well we'd hardly be I think it's Britain but anyway so I don't want to make false claims for equity <laughs> but you know uh, so anyway that's a bit of a pitch to join equity but I'm I'm saying it not because you know I want to get the numbers up because of any kind of feeling of making myself feel better it's it's a great thing just read the magazine start to find out about us when you get those emails from equity don't go oh yeah boring the emails from equity are much less boring now they're much 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 less boring than they were my twitter account is maureen bt2 
because there was also already a Maureen Beatty and a Maureen Beatty one. How dare they? Um, uh, you know, follow me if you like. I'm trying to kind of get uh, messages out there whenever I can. Um, Equity itself has a Twitter account, Equity UK, I think it is. You know, all these things are there telling you things, telling you things, really important stuff. Get in there. Just open it up. Have a little paddle in the in the shallows. It's nice, it's lovely and warm. You don't need to swim in the cold sea just yet. And um, welcome. Wonderful. Thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and all the best with the show. Thank you very much. What an inspiring woman with a beautiful accent. I know. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah, I, I absolutely loved interviewing her. I felt so inspired coming away from that. I skipped down the stairs. <laughs> So hopefully, listen to that, you are inspired now. If you're an actor out there, you can join Equity. Uh, she made quite an impassioned uh, plug there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, very much. So do follow her on Twitter, because um, she's a fantastic person. Talking of Twitter, whilst you're there, you could also follow us if you fancy. At MBT Podcast One. MB- Sorry, let me get that right again. MBT Podcast One, uh, because there was an MBT Podcast already. already yeah. Um, and you can also search for us on Facebook, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. You can also subscribe to us by searching for us in your podcast app, Manchester's Big Theatre Podcast. And we're also on Spotify and iTunes, if you prefer that. So please do share. We do this kind of out of the goodwill of our hearts. Uh, so <laughs> the only way we know that you've listened uh, and are enjoying it or have got any comments is by uh, just kind of emailing us, tweeting us. Uh, so please do continue to share. So next week we have episode two in which Joe went and interviewed Box of Tricks Theatre Company. They are a Manchester-based theatre company who met in London and moved up here and they really focus on new writing. So make sure you tune in and listen to that because it's a super interesting interview. See you next week. Bye. And uh, we all believe in collective power. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so shit. <laughs> I was quite good until that point. No, Let's no, don't, don't stop oh, it. Just okay, we'll, cool. I'll just cut that bit out. Okay, cool.